0: everybody, and welcome to the Frontside Podcast, episode number 107. My name is Charles Lowell, and uh, we are going to be following up with our episode 106 with the exciting conclusion of Microstates the Podcast. So with me today to wrap this subject up, uh, at least for the, the near term, obviously we're going to be talking about it a lot in the days and months to come, are David and Taras, also, co-developers here at Frontside. Hello, guys. Hello, hello. Greetings, everyone. Before we get uh, into that, we'll just make a few quick announcements. Um, you know, first off is here at Frontside, we are going to be having some availability uh, here at the end of August. So if you uh, or anyone on your team is looking to level up in the area of testing, especially testing single-page applications, acceptance testing uh, single-page applications, uh, or if you need React or general JavaScript consulting, please get in touch. We would love to work with you um, and love to do some of the great things together. Second, we finally released this, uh, and this is germane to the topic at hand. Um, We released uh, a a major version of microstates this week that's based on a new and simpler architecture. Um, So that's really exciting. Um, It doesn't really change the content of the conversation because the API hasn't changed Change that much. It just means that the library, which was already very small, uh, is even smaller. I think we shaved almost 40% of the size uh, off, and it's just much simpler and it's much more harmonious with the underlying JavaScript runtime. It's even more just simple JavaScript objects. So, unless there's any other news um, that y'all want to cover, we'll jump right into it.
1: All right. Let's do it then. Let's do microstates.
0: (laughs) All right. Love to talk about microstates. So this is obviously the second podcast uh, that we're doing on microstates just because we ended up, I think it was two weeks ago, and we'd been speaking for almost an hour and we really were just kind of laying out the problems uh, that microstates solve. So the problems of state management and why you often run up against complexity when you have a single state management tool um, that doesn't account for a bunch of different use cases. Um, And so uh, we kind of left it. We got into microstates a little bit, uh, but we left it as kind of a cliffhanger, right? Because we talked about transactionality and laziness and immutability, ease of composition, simplicity of API, performance, performance. Uh, memory footprint, things like this, those were all the problems. And then we're like, yeah, microstates, it's awesome. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit more about actual microstates proper and kind of what is involved in like the adjustments in mindset that you need to make or don't need to make when adopting a tool like microstates.
1: Yeah, it's been actually it's been really interesting for me because I just gave a talk at Toronto JS um, on microstates. So and it was pretty cool to see there was like a panel at the end. And so I think there the people representing just using component state as a as a way of um, architecting applications of state, or managing state in the applications. There's someone represent, uh, representing Redux. And so it's really interesting to see first of all like that how curious people were. Like most of the questions were directed towards discussion towards around microstates simply because you know it is a new tool but it was also just interesting to see how curious people who are using like the person who is who really loves redux he was like oh i really you know i really love redux but i really like the fact that you guys have types you know so i was like oh that's cool even though like you know even though you really like your solution you actually found something in microstates interesting but at the same time i think he was kind of missing that what aspects of microstates overlap with redux um And so I think that's one of the things that we can do today is talk about what microstates has and what APIs microstates provides, how similar they are to what people already know. And I think that's one of the things that when I was thinking about how to, you know, about this conversation is that there are some things around microstates APIs, like how you use microstates. But the architectural concepts that power microstates, they're already part of the development process and development architectures for most people are building single page applications it's just that they so so i think what we can do is try to map these ideas uh, map what people already know and patterns that they use to ideas and microstates and just show like how close they actually are so i think that's what, that, that that could be a, a good place for us to a good good way for us to go
0: yeah um so i guess we can start with maybe one particular like mode of managing state and you know how that maps to to uses with microstates
1: yeah. So let's start with component state because that's, that, that was kind of our starting point when we, one of the original starting points for microstates, because so much of our work was in, um, is, was in Ember and that's, and, uh, component state is where most of Ember development happens. So I think that's a good place to start. So if you wanted to, so if you're someone who uses component state, uh, so if you're using, if you're in, you're using Ember or Vue, without something that is redux ish uh, which is pretty common for pretty common these days if you use component state then one of the features of,
0: and also if you're using in react right ember view and react pretty much are all yeah. the same in this yeah, with, in this
1: with, regard. with state yeah if you're using if you're using component state then um well ember view a little bit different in that they have um so there so there's there's kind of the architectural pattern is you have data coming into the component, then you're doing some work with that data. So that in uh, Ember and View, you might use computer properties to derive state mm, on that right, on right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then mm. you might pass pass those comp you might pass that state further down into other components. In uh, in React, uh, you would do something a little bit different because there's no there's no memoized computed properties by default. So you a lot of times write your, your computations that you pass into other computers are written as expressions in GSX. Um, Mm -hmm. so if you're using this pattern, then one of the, so one of the challenges around using this pattern is that you, the, the process of lifting state becomes quite complicated because if you have like a bunch of state that lives in the component, it's attached to the, your, the derivation of state and the properties that you can invoke are attached to the, to the component object. And so what microstates allows to do is it allows you to, uh, so in react world, it's called lifting state. Uh, in, in ember world, you'd be essentially refactoring it into the parent component and passing that state in. The way you could do this with microstates is that you essentially moving this, uh, moving the state into the microstate. And now what you have is you have this object that instead of, uh, instead of having the, the state live on the component, the state now lives on the microstate object. And in all frameworks, when you do that, you, you can use, in microstates, you can use the, uh, the getters to get the memoized computer properties uh, behavior on the microstate. So if you, right. if you use computer properties, computer properties available for you on the microstate, you can do it the same way.
0: Right. I think if you're, it's, it's, I mean, so, I mean, it's kind of like a, a, a wrap up of that idea or not a, like a, not a wrap up, but like a summary of that idea is that the microstate essentially is a substitute for, you know, your component properties, right? So like if you're working with a component, the component has state associated with it. And so you're setting properties on the component and then, you know, using the derived, the computed properties of that component. Whereas, so microstates is really you get all you have all of those benefits where you can set properties directly. You can define methods that like set properties as part of a transaction and you can then have getters, simple JavaScript getters, which are just like computer properties, except there's no enumeration of dependent keys. It's just that's all baked in for you.
1: Yeah. And so one of the kind of so then the, the kind of next question that arises is like, well, do I make my do I make like one huge microstate or? A bunch of smaller microstates and so i think the question is it really depends on the role of your component and sometimes like what the nice thing about microstate is uh, microstates is that there's two things that are kind of cool is that one is when you represent your state state as a microstate it makes it very easy so if you need to lift that state from that component up into the parent you can lift that type you can take that type and you can actually you can compose that type into the parent's microstate if you have that mm-hmm. Uh, and then what you would in that case do is you would pass this new object that's created from that type you would pass the state for that component to the component that would otherwise have the its own state so you're essentially now the parent is now has the state that would otherwise be in in the in the child component and now the parent is passing a state from the parent to the child um mm-hmm. and so there's two kind of benefits to that one is that it allows you it gives your parent a way to control the state of the child and it also gives you a really easy way to serialize and deserialize state you know you started off with having the ability to serialize state for a particular component and all of its children now you can represent that serialized state as part of the component's uh, state and so you you have an easy way to restore the comp- the state of the component tree at the parent right.
0: component and that's and that's possible because a microstate is really just encapsulating a value within a type. Uh, but the value is just a simple, serializable, plain old JavaScript object, right? Yeah. Is that, so the, I'm, I'm just trying to say, like, this is the feature the, that microstates provides. So when you actually create or creating a microstate, you just pass it a POJO. Um, and it can just, and it's off to the races uh, with that POJO. And you can access that POJO at any single point. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, so these are part of the, uh, parts of the architecture that I think, that're helpful for people that are using components. Uh is there anything else to, for for people who are using uh component state uh, that we think would be helpful?
0: Um I mean I think that it's it's just realizing that you get the the benefit of the laziness and the immutability and you know the transactionality and all the kind of things that we talked about last time but it actually the mental model is very similar so it's actually, I think the, the thing, you know, to realize is that if, if that's the way that you're used to working with state, it's not, the bridge is not too far. It's actually quite a short one. Yeah. Uh, it's it feels, feels very natural to like, there. it's not a, a huge mental shift. It's just more about, it's a very small mental shift, a very small, um, shift in mechanics for, you know, a, a very large payoff.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, for instance, uh, say you're you're in a an Ember application using component state. What I'm used to is you're you're going to be passing actions around between components. So whenever you're trading that out for microstates, is it more that these actions are just bundled in with the microstate as the transitions?
1: Yeah. So that's one nice thing with the microstate is that you can, so when you, because the, the, the transitions that you can, that you can perform on any data type are intrinsic to the actual data type. So they're part of the data type. So when you instantiate a microstate, you get the, the transitions for free. So when you pass the object into a component, you can now invoke transitions on that object that are attached to that object that, that are part of that object's type. And so it's hard to imagine how awesome that really is because there's not really a lot of like the, the closest pair, the, the closest pattern that you would see for that would be like if you, if, for example, if you're using an Ember, you have uh, Ember object or Ember model that you pass into a component and then you can walk a transition. And because it goes through the Ember data store, your, your component is going to update. Well, in microstates, there's no observation of any kind. But What you're doing is when you are invoking that transition, transition is going up to the top of the root and gives you the next microstate, which gets, which, which updates your component tree. So you get that functionality of kind of data down actions up built into the entire system of the microstates. And all of that is, is hooked into this, these transitions that you can invoke on the objects that you pass into your components.
0: Right. So maybe we could, maybe uh, David, or Tarash, you, y'all could provide a concrete example uh, of what that looks like. Because I think it is like, it is something that, you know, I know when I was talk, giving uh, talks on microstates uh, at, at Ember meetups, um, you know, that's one of the, the, the first things, you know, I like to show is like, you've got all these actions that you're writing either in your route or your controller. But they're really actions manipulating the same type of data. So you know it really comes down to like you're pushing and popping things off of arrays, you're toggling booleans, you're uh, incrementing counters, you're you know you're setting this property on this object. These are actions that we're writing. Uh, and in kind of the microstates world, that's boilerplate. Maybe we can, or because the transitions are, are uh, intrinsic to the data type of the, of the microstate that you're working with. So maybe we could provide like an example. Like what's an action that you're describing that you would pass around? Um, yeah, so I, I think
1: an easier one would be like if you have a, if you have a model, for example. So you, you compose a model into your application state or you, or you compose a model into your component state. And so you have this uh, model type. That gets instantiated, and you pass it into a component that represents a modal. And then, so mm-hmm. off that uh, modal, you might have like open status, so, like is it open or not. That gets consumed by the, by the modal component to know whether the modal should be visible. Mm-hmm. And then, along with that, um, on that is model is open a state. There is a transition, like a toggle transition, that you can mm-hmm. bind to you know, inside of your component that is going to automatically flip the visibility that will flip the visibility of uh, is open and uh, so your component so and then what will happen is when you bind that transition to your some kind of action handler that you invoke inside your component when you invoke that transition or that action it will then trigger transition at the top of that microstate and then it will create the next next state push it through which will cause your your model to change visibility David, does that answer the question?
2: Yeah, yeah, it does, and that's that's actually the example that I had come up with whenever asked.
0: <laughs>
1: Very simple sort of
2: boolean toggle.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, and and a couple of like. Uh my earlier demos like uh, i should i should dust off that talk that i gave um, to the austin ember meetup uh, where you know i was able to create a a, a input uh, with a drop down menu with basically some pretty advanced like mouse behavior all without having any component state or like storing it all in in microstates um, and a lot of the pushback was well aren't you putting logic in the template and the answer is absolutely not the logic is in the models. But what I'm doing is I'm composing the actions that operate on those models inside the templates. But at the template level, the action is data, right? So if you're thinking about, you know, we always want to have, we always want to lift state and then push that state down through the application. Well, what this is really saying is that the actions are part of the data, right? It is implicit to the value that you've got yeah,
1: I think that's really powerful uh, because we do think about actions as being something that you can invoke. like with closures, it's it's an action that you can invoke. But considering that 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 operation, that piece of data that invokes a transition, a microstate and is derived from the type of the data, I think that's a that's really. It's a cool concept. That's probably one of the things that's kind of that's kind of new for Microstates. But how you use it in, in your application should feel pretty much the same as you would if you were creating action handlers or whatever. Yeah, action handlers on on your components.
0: Yeah, it's just like kind of bundled action handlers for free. Right. So I think, you know, uh, maybe the way to do like the true wrap up on this when when talking about kind of what microstates has to offer for the Ember developer, for uh, the Vue developer um, is really, um, and I would say someone who's used to working with like MobX um, would be another good example is that, you know, I really, 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 when I first started using Ember back in 2012, Ember object solved a whole lot of issues um, in a really profound fundamental way. Um, and I really, really was drawn to that as kind of the best API uh, to be working with state. What kind of became apparent was that it was perhaps not the best implementation. Um, and, there's, and and this is not to like bag on Ember Object. I think it was actually amazing technology for, you know, uh, seven years ago. When most of it was written and probably even came from before with like SproutCore. So, I mean, it's almost 10 years old, which is, you know, incredible that it's still under heavy use in, uh, you know, in 2018. And, and it speaks well to how well it was constructed. Um, so I actually don't have much of a problem with Ember object API. I just think that the, the the way in which it's implemented, that API, means that there are some problems that require uh, a different paradigm. And so very much, I kind of see microstates as uh, heavily inspired by those types of APIs, but with, I don't want to say modern implementation, but a, a implementation that is designed to solve the problems that have come to light, you know, over the last five years of developing single page JavaScript applications.
1: And I want to add that that this what you describe with Ember Object is exists in every framework that uses immutability. So if you look at in MobX, the observation introduces introduces the necessity to like wait for a bunch of things to resolve. In uh, Angular, the like Zones has solves this kind of similar purpose to ensure that uh, that um, if there are kind of cascading compute or streams, like all of that stuff gets settled in into kind of a restful state before you can start to. of assert on what's going on and this and i'm imagining view with, with their computer properties has something similar so i think this because of the complexity of having to track lots of objects and then recomputing things based on the result that complexity in microstates is simplified by the fact that you describe your transitions you you when you write them you um describe exactly what changes so there's no so we don't need to wait for things to it settle down. When you invoke a transition, that transition is explicit. And based on the path of where that transition is invoked, we know exactly what needs to change. And so we need to only perform one operation to compute the next state. There is no other things that we need to wait. There's no other side effects that that, that we need to resolve before we know what the final state is. And so I think that simplicity... Can be applied to all the frameworks that are that are using mutable APIs and derive computations from those mutable APIs. Mm-hmm. So, should we jump into talking about what uh, Microstates has to offer for people familiar with Redux?
0: Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's let's jump right into it. So then, so we've covered kind of the uh, for for folks who are familiar with uh, mutable APIs like Ember, like Vue, like uh, those in uh, other ecosystems using MobX, uh, what kind of uh, a shift to microstates might feel like, uh, what you can expect. Um, what about people who are just kind of using? They're often uh, React land, and they're just using like set state. Uh,
1: set state, yeah. So set state is 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 a little bit tricky because it does get kind of complicated over time and so you end up having and, there, and then you get the you get these kind of funky things going on after a while where you start seeing things like uh, i'm going to set state on this component and then one once that change happens i'm going to then do some other like i'm going to change some state some other state so these kind of cascading state changes and the other part that I, I find particularly challenging, uh, more challenging in set state world than it is in, um, I think, the, just regular component state, uh, like what you have with Vue and Ember, which, which is that the, I, I feel like the the way that the transitions, the state change handlers become part of the component, I find that part particularly kind of fragile. So when you start doing mm-hmm. refactoring, when you when you need to lift up state, it's so fine. like what's an example of like of this. Uh, well, if you if you need to like when you start off you, and your component owns, owns all of the state, and now you need to have that state being controlled by the parent, we get into the situation where you're like okay, well, am I what am I going to do? Am I going to do something with like with props as they're coming into the component, or uh, I should probably just lift that state from the from the parent, from the child to the parent? And now you're refactoring the internals of a component to lift up that state so you can then combine those operations with the parents state transitions but then you have this kind of added complexity of the fact is that you're working with immutable data in that place so you've got these like three things going on you you're refactoring your child component you are moving these things into the parent component so you're modifying a parent component and now you're also managing the complexity of immutable like forming immutable objects and so those mm-hmm. three things together i, I find like they, they create a i think it's the the fact that people make it work is a kind of a testament to human resilience you know in that they, <laughs> like people are able to solve such challenging problems but uh, and this is not a super hard one but when components are co- complex enough and when stakes are high enough um, these kind of changes can become fragile uh, yeah. and so uh and this is what i think microstates really simplifies is that by by taking care of the model it makes components much simpler and it makes it possible for you just Render a lot of components that are functional components without their own state.
0: That it actually reminds me, and like I said, we don't, uh, you know, we're talking about what it's like to use them, uh, and not so much the implementation. But that's kind of an exact same sentiment that the author expressed in this book that I was kind of very helpful in in. You know, uh, writing microstates, which is uh, Brian Mark, like he has this book called Lenses for Mere Mortals, right? And he's talking about the practical use cases of using lenses, which uh, microstates leans very heavily on. And, you know, what he says right in the introduction is it gives you, by abstracting the kind of location and composite, the way in which your data structures are composed, it makes them very refactorable. So you can say, I want to change where this state lives, I want to change the structure of this object and I wanna move it somewhere else. And because the structure of the object uh, is not, what's weird is, it sounds weird to say this, because the structure of the object is not coupled to the structure of the object, (laughs) uh, it means that it can be, it's very malleable. Um, And so you can move, you can say, you know what? I don't want this address to be embedded in this person. I want this address to be inside this address book. And then my person has like an address book entry. Right. And being able to make those refactors, and make those changes uh, very easy because your method of accessing the data is abstracted. Um, and so it's like it's it's something that applies beyond even user interfaces and component state. But it's something that we're this is a problem that's very salient when you are authoring complex UIs that compose components. It's something that you can benefit very greatly from.
2: You, uh, Taras, you were telling us earlier about uh, a friend of yours who's learning react uh, for the first time over the past few months. And he's mainly been using uh, set state as you as you would just starting out in this world. You said that he didn't really get why you might have to go and learn some other way to manage your state. And I think Charles said it there pretty, pretty well that whenever your uh, application starts to get more complex, and you've got a lot of different moving parts that's that's really where microstates will come out and shine for you
1: yeah this is what this is what i was trying to uh, this is because my friend was trying to kind of starting to kind of feel bad he's like you know I, I spent the last three months uh learning how to work with react and how to use set state and now and now you're telling me i need to learn something else like am i starting from scratch and yeah so i kind of reassured him that uh when you especially when you're a beginner you uh, when you're learning you learn how to address very specific challenges but you don't know how complicated these things can get when you get when you get when the UI gets really intricate and so it's it, in those intricate scenarios is when you're when it's, when you have to leverage your experience to be able to solve these problems but if you're learning you encounter these challenges like head on and your tool does not really um like set state although can be used to to build really complex UIs very effectively but um uh, the complexity that over time increases as you start to manage the state increases much more later on than does early in the beginning and basically with microstates is like if even if you have like some basic proficiency with set state when you start working with microstate the things that you can do with microstates you you will be able to do more of sophisticated things easier when you need to use them than you might realize when you start and so and and that's part of the because the microstates APIs are so consistent. And so there are very few concepts to actually learn uh, that when you actually... And they cover a broader range of use cases. So when you actually start, start to use and you encounter those challenges, what you already know will just work for you and it will just continue to work for you. And that was part of the kind of fundamental design um, that Charles and I have spent a lot of time putting into place uh, from whenever when we started two years ago.
0: <clears throat> yeah, because, I mean... I think that, that you and you touched on this and, and this is kind of what I was speaking to earlier is that when when you're working with a simple system, you know, it's simple, it's easy to work with. And then the complexity starts to grow. It's never a good thing when you have to reach for a more complex tool to manage the complexity. That's why I think it's, you know, it's 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 a hallmark of a good system in that it can scale with you from very simple and easy use cases to actually being able to handle very large and complex use cases, but your API doesn't have to change and your usage doesn't have to change. So if you have a tool that can actually scale with you from a one-liner to a hundred thousand liner, that reflects very well on the design of the tool. Um, And I think you see that with, you know, things like Ruby, you see it with things like Clojure, uh, you see it with uh, I would say I, I think there's even people writing like Haskell shell scripts now, but not so much with like C++. I think the analogy is is very similar with with microstates in the sense that when I'm looking for evaluating a language, it's not the only thing I look for, but I really am looking like how's this going to work for me as a one liner? How's it going to work for me as a hundred thousand liner? And if the answer is pretty consistently, then that's something that is going to Get a lot of bang for your buck, so to speak. So if I invest the time in learning it, uh, I'm actually able to reap the reward of having a tool that's got my back on, you know, a whole bunch of different use cases. Mm-hmm. We talked about, you know, if if I'm in React and I'm using set state, and that's it's kind of a subcase of um, kind of component state, um, because I would say that you know, in the previous systems we talked about, Ember View, you know, they have components component state but the component state's a little bit more rich in the sense that you've got computed properties and what have you but if we look at uh, a system that externalizes state like redux where you have kind of a global state atom uh, in your application um, at least that's the way most of the redux applications that i've uh, encountered uh, behave what does that look like for you Yeah, I think, I think
1: what's a little bit challenging with, uh, when talking about Redux is that Redux conflates a few different things together. And so I think it's helpful to, to split those things up so we can talk about them separately. So one of the parts is, uh, how the state is delivered to components. So like the way that Redux does it is you, you've got the instance that's created. And so every time you use connect, you essentially wire together, you, you can, you connect through the, Context or through, uh, or yeah, th- through context, you do, you connect to, or I'm not sure. I think they have an observation mechanism internal to Redux as well, but they essentially mm-hmm. connect components to the store and then they use that to deliver the state. And so it's kind of worth pointing out that for that, like microstates bindings for React actually give you something similar out of the box, uh, through context. But, uh, and for those who really like, the ergonomics of Connect. Like, I think it would e- be pretty easy to make that available for microstates. There's really no yeah. reason why that wouldn't be available. I think,
0: but I do think that Connect can be problematic. Like, you can encourage you to not make components that are reusable and have isolated state, right? It's very easy to hitch yourself to the Redux store, uh, and then, you know, now, now you don't have components that are shareable.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it's actually, I, I would personally prefer to pass microstate instances through props, because you, because mm-hmm. because it's a stability that's built into microstates and structural sharing. You you get you can get some free um, optimizations and allow you to use functional components in more cases, like right out mm-hmm. of the box. But uh, you know some people people some people who really like Redux they really like Connect. So you know I can't mm-hmm. like although it might right, not be my right. personal preference. You know I, I, there's no reason why that wouldn't work if somebody mm-hmm. wants to make a Connect function and, and uh, just you know make it available for people
0: right and i think there's a happy medium there too right like yeah you can I connect some components and then distribute like fan out that state to a, a set of functional components that are not connected
1: but there are some so so there there are some places where microstates and redux are very similar so the, the, i think it's helpful to describe so there, there is a mechanism in uh when you're using redux you have this dispatch mechanism which you and then what you're essentially doing you're just saying here's um, I'm going to dispatch this action, and your action creator is going to create an action for you with the payload, and then you're going to match that action to a reducer. And so one of the things that uh, I kind of hear Redux people really kind of enjoy about uh, Redux is the one-way data flow that, you know, you dispatch the action, and then it uh, it reduces this next state and pushes that through, and you have this kind of ingress point where all of the state, where everything is going through is one point, and I think what's really interesting with microstates is that you essentially get that. That's exactly how microstates works in a way. The only, the only difference is that the APIs are different. So any any action that you uh, invoke is going to go through a single entry point, which is going to, for you, because we know the structure of the data, we know how to transition that state for you. So you don't need to write reducers. So you just define your transitions or use the built-in transitions. And then when you invoke them, we we know the path based on the so we so we're essentially forming for you like the path where you invoke the transition it conceptually kind of forms the the name of the action that you are invoking so that mm-hmm. the path it refers to a place where the state is going to be transitioned then you have your uh transition which is the actual reducer for that for that spot but it's contextualized so you don't have to think about how you need to transition that state in the great
0: global Redux uh, mm-hmm. state, you, there's no there's no matching. The matching is automatic.
1: Yeah, it's the matching is automatic, and so so you get that same ingress like single ingress and in one directional data flow. You get those mechanics, except the APIs that you use instead of writing the actions yourself, instead of writing the reducers yourself, you get to use microstate types. And if you don't like, so I've heard some people who use Redux who are like, oh, I really love the fact that microstates has types. But other people don't like types for whatever reason. And so if you don't like types, you could also always just use. So microstates comes with from, which allows you to take a a pojo and from that pojo create a microstate. And then you can invoke transitions the same way as if you had a type microstate. The only thing you don't get is you don't get to create your own transitions. You have to use the transitions that are provided for the primitive types.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I think that there's uh, a couple of benefits that you'll realize for free. So there's, uh, you know, laziness. So uh, reducers by default are eager. So when you dispatch an action, it will run against every reducer in the store. And if the reducer matches, you're going to run the computation that's associated with that reducer. Microstates, by contrast, is lazy. So um, if your producer, basically until you try and read the property – that is affected by that reducer. The reducer won't run. Um, and there are some ways that you can get around this. Uh, you, when you're using Redux, and I think I can't remember. I mean, first of all, you can you can actually uh, you know have your reducers return objects that have uh, getters on them, uh, so you can kind of realize some of that laziness. But again, it's it's work that you have to explicitly put in. Um, and I think didn't you actually say that there is a package of plugins? they are not plugins there's basically a set of libraries that you could bundle together which would give us an experience similar to using microstates
1: yeah you could well yeah so if you if you wanted to combine uh, redux and reselect and immutable js together you're you you can get some of the benefits except that these benefits are not like they're not integrated that well uh, because you have, because they're still separate systems that you are essentially using together. Uh, and, and also like microstates is four times smaller than, uh, than redux and reselect and immutable GS combined together. So it's, so if, if size matters to you um, and ergonomics matters to you, you actually can get, you can get a lot of ease out of using microstates uh, while still maintaining the benefits of having redux.
0: Right. But if we re, if, if those things, if those packages like uh, reselect and immutable JS are uh, things that are familiar and you, know, you naturally gravitate towards, so then you will probably absolutely love microstates. Um, because honestly, one of the things that, um, you know, I, one of the ways that I think about microstates is like, what if you could have immutable JS? If there was no cost for, A, composing uh, the types of like list and record, um, I can't remember. Uh, immutable JS has come a long way since I've last used it, or it's it's evolved since I've last used it. But I think there's still only about four or five basic types, right? And actually making your own new immutable structure, your own custom type with its own custom methods that still gets the benefits of structural sharing um, and laziness that you have in Immutable.js, is not something that you can do but you could think one way to think about microstates is a an immutable js where you can make any type that you want you're not just constrained to their record types and to their list types and set types and map types
1: yeah it's worth pointing out that uh, at at the moment microstates doesn't map perfectly to immutable js simply because immutable js has certain optimizations uh, for Managing lists that are part that 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 are part of the kind of great value of immutable JS. So Microstates mm-hmm. doesn't have uh, some of those pieces, yeah. but they're so nice definitely thing, on the roadmap. Yeah, it's definitely because because of the way because Microstates is abstracted high enough that we can actually int- change internals. And so people who are using Microstates now, so they will, they will get benefits of ergonomics and there's already performance benefits from the stability that Microstates offers. But there will be a time when Uh, by upgrading to a newer version you will not basically need to change anything in your app but you will get the benefit of um, improvements to performance that we will will introduce over time Um, and some of those improvements might come from what we will learn from immutable js
0: right so i have a couple of thoughts before we kind of wrap up on what are the ramifications it's no matter who you are uh what Kind of development background, some of the benefits that you'll experience with uh, microstates um, that might be a pain point or something you hadn't thought about, you know, um, where you are currently. So, a couple of things that I have jotted down is first, uh, and and this is what brought it to mind, is talking about stability. Um, This is something that you see in a bunch of frameworks uh, is having to manually track the keys that are associated with data. So, if I've got a list or I've got an object, being able to say, if that object changes, then I need to actually have some sort of key object, which effectively amounts to a hash hashing function, to say, did it really change, right? Because you know that's how, uh, no matter what system you're in, you need to know how you're going to re-render. If, if um, the reference to this object changes, then the default thing needs to be, I need to re-render it, right? So you see this in Ember, in Vue, in in React, there's this ability to pass a key or, you know, ask the question, should this component actually update? And with microstates, that's much less of an issue uh, because basically it keeps track of that key, the key tracking and stability for you. So if you're using a model with microstates, if you think of an object as a graph of nodes, no node in the graph will change unless it absolutely has to. At least that's the goal. Um, we still actually have some work to do, and in, in when you're when you're running queries uh, against the state of a microstate, we can cover that later. But um, that's most largely the way it is now, and definitely, you know, the way it's going to be going forward is you don't have to do any extra work as a programmer to figure out what has actually changed.
1: That opens up some interesting opportunities. It's like, you know, imagine if you had a <laughs> if you had a rendering engine that did not expect. Side effects to be significant, and you could just say, "If I know what Wednesday changes, I will then re-render that." Uh, that would be really interesting, kind of interesting exercise of seeing like what would that look like from performance mm-hmm. perspective. If you have a very clear picture of what has actually changed and what parts right. of the DOM as a result need to be updated, uh, without having to do diffing at a the view layer, you could actually do diffing much higher up. At, mm-hmm. Actually, don't even need to diffing because you know what's changed, but you can push a lot of assu- assumptions higher up on the architecture stack.
0: Right, and so like I, you know, that's actually one of the things that is my favorite thing about uh, microstates, and it's one of kind of it's one of the unwritten values is like triple equals needs to work everywhere, uh, and by and large it does. It's hugely simplifying, right? When you don't have to manually tell the computer what equivalence looks like, you can just. Say, look, are they the same object? Then they're the same. If not, then they're not. And keeping that consistent is huge.
1: I think this is a good segue for us to, um, to kind of bring this conversation to a close, and also kind of set up potentially a third follow up conversation, which is we could talk about actual architecture of microstates and mm-hmm. design design decisions. Because for there are for people who just need to use microstates, like they don't need to necessarily need need to know all these details. But for people who are curious. They might actually want to understand what are the considerations that were, that, that were made when, when we were designing microstates. And so maybe next conversation about microstates could be about architecture and uh, the pieces that are in microstates today and then where we are going with microstates and what it could give us long term.
0: Yeah, I like that idea. I mean, it is, a, it is a plentiful subject that we've been talking about internally for the past two years. Uh, and so um, it makes sense that there would be plenty to speak about uh, on the podcast there is one other thing that I did want to bring up. um, And that is, I think that it is enabling to have a state solution that is composable because it allows you to think about your state first, because really if you do have a functional UI where your view is a pure function of the model, that your view follows the model. And so if the view follows the model, then really the thing that you should be thinking about first is the model that's going to be required to drive your view, right? To do, I shouldn't say drive, I should say derive your view, right? Because that is the essence, that's the primary artifact of which the view is nothing more than a function. It's a reflection onto a surface. And so I don't think that we have a state management solution yet that enables that mode of thought. Uh, where I'm thinking about my prime artifact first and working forward rather than thinking about my secondary artifact and trying to kind of, in a wishy-washy way, work backwards and reconstruct the primary artifact. Um, and so I think that um, we've talked about kind of all the development ergonomics, and I think that there's a, a, uh, a mechanic of thought there that's enabled by this that I'm you know, I hope to see in more and more applications.
1: Yeah, that's a really. I think uh, that's a really well put. I think that's that's something that um, I've been thinking about as well. It's how do you convey the shift that microstates allows in terms of how you're thinking about architecting your application? And for some people that that value the model, like they'll find that shift easier. But for regardless, I think that making that shift can, has a potential of simplifying your view dramatically. And um, that's really interesting. Um, Like, I'm really excited about exploring this further and and having more conversations about this.
0: Yeah, that's where we really kind of open up the conversation about state machines, um, which was, you know, is is also central to the conceit of microstates. And, you know, using um, state machines is an incredible design tool. But anyway, that's all. (laughs) We can all get into that later. So you heard it here, folks. Episode three is coming out, although probably not for a while. Um, we're going to be we're going to be mixing up and we won't be talking about microstates uh, at least for a while. I understand that next uh, next time we we actually teased it, but we based on how much material there was on microstates, uh, we ended up uh, packing in a second episode. We teased it last time. We're going to be talking next time uh, about running a online conference with Twitch. So definitely look for that. So thank you, Thras. Thank you, David. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great. This is a wonderful conversation. And as always, we are Frontside. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we have availability coming in August. So if working with us uh, is something that we would like to do, we have a range of services. Please get in touch. You can get in touch with us at the Frontside on Twitter or contact at Frontside.io. That's it for now. I guess we should also mention that, uh, Tras, that you are going to be giving a talk on microstates at manhattan js when is that on august 8th on august 8th i will be giving a talk on microstates at react js austin on monday the 6th so that is right around the corner i'm excited about um both of those those talks uh, especially following so closely on the heels of the toronto js uh meetup talk which i understand is is that on is that posted online yet
1: uh, it's recorded, but uh, uh, and it should be coming out soon. Um, we'll definitely tweet it out.
0: Okay. All right. So uh, look for that, and uh, we will see you next time.